Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Risen Lord, breathe your Holy Spirit into each of our hearts today and change us and commission us like you did those first apostles. Guide my lips that I might proclaim your truth faithfully and change our hearts so that we truly do live for you. Amen. So, on the other side of campus on Easter morning, as I thought about the, the first steps, you guys talked about it here too, uh, I, I was surprised that Jesus' first step on Easter morning actually I think was a, a turning around because John mentions that he saw this little detail that Jesus' facial cloth was folded up by itself. And it was that detail that was just enough to, to put John over the top so that finally he understood, John writes in his testimony, he saw and believed. You know, Jesus' first step was, was to leave these details that would give John and us conviction. And then the next step was to, to show compassion as, as, you know, this woman is sobbing uncontrollably and he dries Mary's tears with the words, Mary, wow. And then the last step that we saw in John's gospel kind of surprised me because he actually takes a step back away from Mary. You know, Mary is wrapped his arms around Jesus' feet and won't let him go, and, and Jesus says, ah, Mary, you can't hold on to me because I gotta send to heaven. But then he commissions her to be a missionary witness. Go and tell my brothers. So Jesus' first steps as he came alive that Easter morning were for those that he loved, ultimately for us. And if we are going to take our next steps, what, what does it mean to us if Jesus took those first steps, what is, what is my next step? And as we looked at the appointed lessons for the, the, this Easter season from the book of Acts, it, it struck us that, that our next steps can mimic Jesus' first steps that Easter morning. That we too want to take the first step to, to strengthen our conviction so that we can take another step to show compassion and take another step to dedicate our lives to be absolutely committed to the mission that Jesus has given us. So, our first step this Sunday after Easter is 
to take a step to strengthen our conviction. And we're going to be looking at a sermon that the Apostle Peter preached. And as I looked at that sermon, I saw three parts to it. That Peter begins by saying, you know, this is where you are, and then this is what's at stake. And if you know where you are and you know what's at stake, then you want to have as much evidence as you can to strengthen your conviction. So I would invite you to join with me as we take this next step. Strengthen my conviction, Lord. So I'd invite you to turn with me to Acts chapter 10. If you have a Bible along, great. If not, open up your uh, phones and uh, read the Apostle Peter's Follow along with me as I read the Apostle Peter's sermon. Now as you're, you're getting it out, or maybe even downloading the app, that's okay. You know, I always love to give you permission. If you download the app and just get wrapped up in, in that, using that Bible app, and you don't listen to a word that I say, that is okay with me. I, I love that. I'd rather have you use God's word than listen to me. Just honest. So, Backstory, though, as we're getting there. End of chapter 9, Luke records Peter's ministry. He travels around Judea. He travels about 25 miles northwest to Leda. And Leda, uh, he heals a man who was paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. The guy's name was uh, Aeneas. Uh, While he's in Leda, Uh, 12 miles away in Joppa, a tragedy occurs. A a woman in the congregation that was widely loved, she did so much great stuff for the congregation. Her name was Dorcas or Tabitha, uh, or it means gazelle. Uh, They they were heartbroken that that Dorcas had died. And so they hear that Peter is just 12 miles away in Leda, and they hurry off and and they bring Peter to Joppa and, and ask him to help. And God, in his grace, hears Peter's prayer, and in answer to Peter's prayer, Dorcas comes back to life. And then Peter stays there in Joppa for a while. One day, it's, it's about this time of day, and his stomach is starting to growl. I don't know about you, but by this time, I, I'm, I'm hungry. So his stomach is starting to growl a little bit, and he is up on the, the roof, you know, the flat roof of the house while they're cooking down below. And, and he sees a vision of uh, a sheet filled with unclean animals coming down uh, out of heaven. And he hears a voice that says, get up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says, I am a good Jew. I don't eat unclean animals. Three times he sees this same vision and then right after he, he sees this vision for the third time, there's a knock on the door of the house where he's staying. And it's three guys who have come from Caesarea, 30 miles to the north. You see, the day before, a, a, a guy named Cornelius had also seen a vision that said, you've got to send down to Joppa and look for this guy named Peter. He's staying in a house uh, of Simon the Tanner by the sea. You'll find him and bring him back because he has a message to share with you. So Peter begins to understand, whoa, wait a second. 
Cornelius is a Gentile, a non-Jew. I, I, I think God's trying to tell me that, that I shouldn't consider any person unclean. And, and so he, he travels with Cornelius' servants up to Caesarea. They get there a couple of days later, and by the time they get there, Cornelius is, is waiting for them, and he's, he's gathered his whole household, his relatives, his friends, and you know he says, Peter, I think you got something to say. And Peter preaches this sermon. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 10, beginning at verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You then know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had cho already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, so Peter's companions who had come up with him from, from Joppa or the Tel Aviv region up to Caesarea, these, these circumcised uh, believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues or talking in languages they'd never learned like what happened on Pentecost, praising God. Then Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So as Peter begins his sermon, he begins by acknowledging where they are. He says to this Gentile crowd, these are the things you know. You know what's happened in Galilee. It's only about 20 miles away from Caesarea. And down in Judea, maybe about 60 miles away. You know what's happened in Jesus' ministry. You've heard about these miracles and how he came to preach, it says, to uh, he preached, uh, where is it, announcing good news of peace to the people of Israel. So what they heard was Jesus has come for the people of Israel and maybe not for non-Jews, not Gentiles like you, Cornelius, and your family and friends. This is what they know. You know this, Peter says. Peter also acknowledges where he is at. He, he's 
in, in a time of transition, he, he begins by saying, I now realize that God doesn't show favoritism. He's gradually beginning to come to grips with a satanic lie that Cornelius was struggling with, that the early Christian church struggled with, and that satanic lie was that Jesus only came for really good people like Jews. That you had to become Jew, you had to clean up your act before you could become a Christian. And so, Peter acknowledges this is where I'm at. I'm beginning to understand that God doesn't show favoritism, that the gospel is for Gentiles too. People that some of my, my fellow religionists, my fellow Jewish Christians would despise and reject. The gospel is for them too. I'm starting to get this. This is, this is where I'm at. And so, this is, this is the outline. So he, he, he begins where they're at. Know where Cornelius and his friends are. Know where Peter is. And then know what's at stake. As he talks to the people in Cornelius' household, he, he says, you know, this guy that, that you heard about all of these miraculous signs that, that prove that he is the Son of God, guess what? He is going to come to judge the living and the dead. You can't just ignore him. You have to come to grips with either you're in a good relationship with him or you are lost. And Peter also had to come to grips with knowing what's at stake. Peter knew that just going into the household of this Gentile, he was associating with people that the rest of his Christian friends rejected and despised. And so he was gonna get all kinds of flack for just being in their house. Know what's at stake. When you know what's at stake, then you're eager to know the evidence to, so that you can take that next step, so that you can be convinced that this is the truth. And so, Peter goes on in his sermon and says, the stuff that you heard kind of second and third hand, guess what? I am an eyewitness of that. He saw all the miracles that Jesus did, but most importantly, he saw that Jesus had risen from the dead. And then he makes a comment that, that in the ministerial team, we all kind of scratched our head and went, ah, oh, why? why is this? That, he, that Jesus didn't appear to everybody, but to the people that Jesus had specifically chosen. And then I realized, you know, if Jesus just, you know, kind of walked through the marketplace and appeared to everybody, you might kind of go, you know, Jesus? Well, I'm not sure. Maybe, it, maybe it's just somebody who looked like Jesus. Or, or that's Jesus, but I don't know if he was really dead. You see, you, you needed to know more. And so, Rather than spending 40 days trying to appear to everybody at once, what Jesus did is he said, I've got 40 days from the day of his resurrection to the day of his ascension. And he poured into the witnesses that God had chosen, reliable witnesses, who could say, uh, you know, I, I touched him. I know this is the guy that we followed for three years. This is the guy that I know was dead. I've seen the nail holes. I know that he is alive. I've seen him eat. I've seen him drink. 
I've spent time with him so that they could be absolutely convinced Jesus, who was dead, is alive again. And Peter says, I'm this witness. You can be absolutely sure. And just think of how the people in Cornelius' household must have been leaning in as they heard this. It's not just stories. Here is somebody who is an eyewitness who can tell us all about it. They wanted to know more about the evidence. And not only that, but it also says all the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The Old Testament makes this testimony that everyone who believes in him, it's not just those really super good Jews. It's not just the super really good people who have cleaned up their act. Everyone who believes in this one who was dead and is alive again has the forgiveness of sins. You don't have to worry about his judgment because when he comes, you know that you are covered in his perfection and he will welcome you into your eternal dwellings. Wow. You know the evidence. When, when you know where you're at, you know what's at stake, you, you just lean in and say, Lord, prove it to me again. Make it clear to me. And that's what God did for Peter too. When, when the disciples uh, come to faith, or when these uh, Gentiles come to faith in Cornelius' household, they start talking in, in tongues like they did on Pentecost. And Peter has this, this evidence that yes, the gospel is for Gentiles. Even when he gets all kinds of flack, read on in Acts chapter 11. Let me tell you, church people are able to give other church people flack. I mean, that, that, this, is, this is just part of what we do in church. And so in Acts chapter 11, Peter gets all kinds of flack. What are you doing going into, into this Gentile? And, and he can show, this is the, this is the evidence. You, the evidence is critical. Huh, so that was Cornelius' story. I love telling you that. That was Peter's story. I believe God wants it to be our story too. That the same progression can happen in our lives as we take that next step, Lord, strengthen my conviction. Now, as we were working on this message series, we stumbled across this devotional workbook written by a, a classmate, a, a good friend of mine, Bruce Becker. Uh, he works at Time of Grace, if you're familiar with that ministry. Uh, it's entitled Bigger Faith, 30 Days to Believing What God Says About You. And it just struck me as I, as I looked at this that this is really what the Apostle Peter was doing. Starting where you are, know what's at stake, and then know the evidence. Now, I, we bought these in bulk. There, there's stacks of them out in the, the Trinity Cafe. Go ahead and take one along with you. You know, if you, uh, uh, you know, if you can give a donation of $10, great. If you can't, that's okay. If you want to bring it next week, we know you're good for it. You know, but we just want it to, you know, go take it, take it home. We don't want any more sitting here at the end of the morning. Take them home. And for those of you who are online, the easiest thing to do is you can uh, go to Time of Grace, find it on Time of Grace, Bigger Faith, and download a, a, a $2 PDF that you can print off yourself. So, if you have your worship folder with you, what we did is we printed 
just one of these daily devotions on the inside back cover of the worship folder. And I'd invite you to take a look at that. So this is just a sample, this is day two, and what, what Bruce did is he just recognized there are a number of satanic lies that, that Satan uses to deceive Christians. And so he chose 30 of them, and, and he uses these lies as an outline to, to say let's strengthen our faith, let's take the next steps together to get a stronger conviction. And you'll notice that it says, Here's the lie of lesson two. God won't forgive me for what I've done. Not quite yet. Yeah. I heard my pianist in the back. Uh, this is the lie that he's dealing with in day two. And every one of his workbook devotions begins with, I struggle with this lie, and then there's this scale. Rarely, sometimes, often, all the time. And as you go through these 30 lies, some of them you'll go, I, I, this isn't a problem for me. And some of them you'll go, this is a recording that I hear in my mind all the time. It is just always there. So what does he do by that question? He is inviting you to go, know where you are. Take a spiritual check. See, nobody can tell you where you are. You have to do that own personal introspection. Know where you are. How is this lie of Satan affecting you. And then know what's at stake. His next question is always something like this. I question my forgiveness when. So how is this lie impacting you? What's at stake? How is it destroying your faith how is it destroying your mental well-being? How is it destroying your relationship with others? How is it destroying your relationship with God? Where are you? Know what's at stake, and then know the evidence. Every one of these lessons is laid out in the same way so that it says the Bible says on, this, on the first page of the day. And as you read this evidence from the scriptures, remember, this evidence is all based on the evidence that Jesus rose from the dead. That's why it's so critical to go back to Easter all the time and say, did Jesus rise? John saw and he believed. Listen to the witnesses. He is risen just as he said. And if he is risen, then all of these promises are true. And I love some of these promises. As far as east is from west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. What a marvelous picture that God has forgiven us. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. This is the, the, one of the promises connected with the new covenant in Jesus' blood. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper, we celebrate the Lord's Supper every Sunday at the bridge, half an hour before the service. We invite you to come, and if, if you're not part of the family, talk to Nate and just say, what's necessary to understand this whole Lord's Supper thing? Because in the Lord's Supper, Jesus wants to give us this personal evidence, you are forgiven. And then this Micah passage, I love this Micah passage because it illustrates for me why is it so important to be in a small group, to be in a, a, a group of Christians that you, you talk with about your faith. Because other people will look at the same evidence and find things that you missed. So this is Micah chapter seven. Who is a God like you who pardons sin 
and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. I was talking with this with a, a friend of mine who was a recovering alcoholic about this passage. You know, and my recovering alcoholic friend had all kinds of reasons to think that God wouldn't want to forgive him, that he had done so many things wrong that, that he was unforgivable. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, God says that he's thrown all your sins into the depths of the sea. Remember, God's posted a no fishing sign there. And it was like, that, 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 that has changed my life, just that comment from another Christian helping me claim the truth. So I invite you to take these steps with me over the next 30 days. We're just, let's work through this book and, and just spend time doing some journaling, considering where you're at, how it impacts you, some lies will be huge and some you'll go, ah, it's not that big a deal for me. Claim the evidence, no matter what the lie, because you know people who are struggling with that lie. And then on the top of the next page, uh, there's this, Bruce always gives a summary of God's truth in contrast to God's lie. And then he says, you know, what's your new thought pattern? You see, when Satan tells a lie long enough, it just wears a, a rut in your head. And you just hear that lie all, over and over again. It's kind of like he, he's, he's built a, a freeway in your head. And it's just always there. And if we know the truth in contrast to one of Satan's lies, then, then we have to make a conscious choice. Okay, Lord, it takes no effort at all for me to start hearing this, this spiritual earworm, this lie. I, I need to make some conscious choices to start thinking in different ways so that I'm starting to build a new path that eventually can become a, a freeway that will help me claim my identity. So what's the, the new thought? Give it some time. Think about it. For me, for this lie, God won't forgive me for what I've done. Man, this is one that I struggle with all the time. The new thought pattern that I have to go back to over and over again is Psalm 130. I've talked about it here. If you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. I have to go back to that over and over again and claim that truth. That's the new highway that I'm trying to build in my head. Spend some time building a new highway and then pray. Pray that the Holy Spirit would be breathed into your heart just like it was on that Easter evening with the disciples. Pray, not just for yourself, but for others who are struggling with this same lie. Because Jesus' first steps that Easter morning he was thinking about you and me, wasn't he? 
His first step to, to fold up the napkin, to, to, to give conviction. He is risen just as he said. The step to give comfort and compa show compassion to, to people like us who are crying and sobbing and then commissioning us to a mission. This is our first step, not so that it's just good for us, Jesus took his first step with us in mind. Let us take the next step with others in mind. Strengthen my conviction so that I am in a place to show compassion like never before. Give me conviction so that I can take the next step and my whole life is all about carrying out your mission. Give me that commitment, Lord. Lord Jesus, your first step that Easter morning was for me. Let my next step be for you. Amen. I'd invite you to stand and let's join together in the, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Your brothers and sisters, believers in the fact that Jesus has risen and that in his name we have forgiveness of sins. Every one of us who believes in him has what God says, forgiveness of sins, and so receive God's marvelous promise. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.